You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm super excited to have Michelle Bandler on the phone. It took us, I think, what, a month to get you on the on, on the podcast. Uh, and a big shout out to and thank you to Carolyn, who's been helping us get all this stuff scheduled. So welcome. Thanks for having me. All right, Michelle, walk us through how you got to where you are and tell us a little bit about yourself so the users can get to know you. Well, in, in all transparency, I think it took a month because I was in Nashville for a long period of time over the holidays, and I was listening to all of the Sunny Side Up podcasts while I was down there taking like really long walks through like cow pastures. So uh, thank you for that amusement. That's <laughs> well, great. You know, we well, were like, wow, we <laughs> listenership is going up like crazy from Nashville in December. What, what, what's going on? <laughs> it's an awesome place. And oh, my yeah. God, the food, like yes. between the food and the old fashions and my walks, I was like, I yes. love this place. The, the, and the spicy chicken, you know, like you have oh, to wait, I, I think. Oh. I'm all in on spicy chicken, chicken and fry. I'm now like driving 50 miles to a Chick-fil-A. I'm all in. <laughs> That's great. That's great. All right. So tell us a little bit about how you got to Google and, uh, and, and a little bit about your journey, please. Sure. So I've actually been at Google for quite a while, well over 15 years, coming up on, uh, on 16 years. Before I was at Google, um, I did change management at Wrigley and before that uh, at Liberty Media. While at Google, I've had like a, a whole bunch of different leadership roles. I really started in more performance marketing in the retail side, then moved over to the brand side. And now I've been running um, various different industries. So uh, previously I ran uh, our education practice and now I look after Tech B2B, which are enterprise players, SaaS players, web services, uh, cloud players. It's uh, collaboration software, all those, all those fun sub-verticals. Super. And then just so that I understand, like in your day to day, you're helping customers make take advantage of all of the various products that Google has to offer to create a rocket ship environment for them. Exactly. So it is um, what is the media that you should be running? What are the KPIs? What is the measurement protocol that you should put into place? What is the infrastructure that you need in order to go fast and, and drive B2B marketing using all of Google's uh, tools and systems? Yeah, this is great. And I specifically wanted to call this out because until I met you, I did not know that Google has these type of resources. But it's fantastic <laughs> because, you know, like like you go onto the website and you like look at all the, the, the various uh, tools that you that Google has to offer. And, and then sometimes people get stuck. They're like, well, what should I use and where do I go? And then the people that are scaling uh, software companies or B2B companies are always thinking, well, I have like 17 tools at, from the same vendor. Like which one goes where? And so yeah. it's great to... To, to have somebody very strategic that can come and help C-level people take advantage of those tools and really help with like scaling all this infrastructure. Yeah, it's it's how do you, it's basically how do you do B2B marketing in a digital environment? 
Terrific. So the topic we picked to choose today is actually very timely, at least uh, since January 4th, since we all got back, there's been a bunch of uh, commentary I've been on LinkedIn about like sales tech just exploding. And I thought sales tech was always exploding, but that's probably because I'm in sales. Uh, <laughs> but, but tell us a little bit about why you chose the topic about digitally driving B2B sales performance. Yeah, it's, um, it's really timely, I think, especially because of COVID. So what we've seen is like 10 years of innovation of moving to digital happening in the course of 10 months. So the way in which B2B marketers think about what their digital marketing looks like has been accelerated like super, super fast. So um, a couple of years ago, I would have conversations with B2B marketers where they would turn off their marketing campaigns at 5 p.m., where they wouldn't run marketing on the weekends and be like, well, you know, our B2B buyers are, they're, they're going home, they're done for the day. And we were like, no, they're people too. Um, and had all this research on sort of how work and life were colliding. And then COVID happened and people were like, oh, wait, this is like, this is me. This is actually happening right now. So the need to um, to move a lot of things that lived offline and maybe that lived within your sales function online and to digitize them has really been uh, fast forwarded. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, living having lived through COVID in a fast growing startup myself, most of the execs meetings that I had were all at 5 p.m. It was fascinating. <laughs> Nobody wanted to talk at like 830 in the morning. But everybody wanted her to just talk as humans at 5 p.m. About, about everything but work. But but it was amazing that people would just be available at 5 p.m. Like in the in I would think in 2019 or 2018, you would not find anybody at 5 p.m. They're probably at happy hour. Yeah. But the point was is that even if they were at happy hour, you're still working to some extent, right? So yes. like what your expectations are, be, like nobody leaves their job at work. You don't go, oh well, you know, I left my my desktop computer at work and now I'm going to go home and I'm going to have dinner and go to bed. Like it doesn't work that way. We all kind of work all the time with multiple devices. So this need to be like, oh, we actually have to kind of treat our B2B buyers more like B2C buyers because they are. Yes. yes. And, and you're con- you're been... a consumer. You're just a consumer of consumer and B2B. Absolutely. You know, I, like as a person that started off in sales, when I finally started to understand marketing. I got extremely fascinated with it, right? And then somebody sat me down and said, well, there's a difference between B2B and B2C. And as I started to learn more about B2C, I started thinking, well, why are people not taking the lessons from B2C and applying them into B2B? Because I feel like the B2C guys do such an amazing job of experience management. And if you just do that in B2B, you'll nail it. That's exactly. And so, but those are what the customer expectations have always been in the B2B world, but now they're really, um, they're much more intensified because of COVID. And I've been talking a lot with the ANA and I've done a few presentations on sort of all the very specific things that you need, like on gate your content and don't throw a lead form up um, and then get a lead and throw it over the fence to, to, you know, to your sales team. You like, you actually need to do more than just prospecting. You need to do lead nurturing. You need to show up earlier. All those things um, are really, are really important now. So then share with us your recommendations, because I think, in this new world, right? And I, I feel like we've been talking about this new world forever. It's just the newer, newer world, right? Uh, like, 
every salesperson is a marketer and every marketer is a salesperson and then every biz dev person is also a salesperson and a marketer yeah. and a product person like like if you're serving if you're on the go to market side you have to serve the customer with everything you can't serve them with one thing right but but i would love to know your guidance and your lessons that you've learned that and and, and let's kick it off there Sure. So um, I'll give you three, right? So the first would be show up early. And that is that B2B buyers are starting the research with at least one brand in mind. And if you're not on that list, like you're not going to make it into the consideration set. So the other thing that we've seen is that people are starting their research with upper funnel tactics. So that means things like video, which is actually a really important place for B2B marketers to start. So um 42% of B2B marketers say that they are now increasing what they're doing in terms of awareness because the buyers are showing up much, much earlier. The second is, and I touched on this very, very briefly, is this idea of really reimagining what customer engagement looks like. So I'll think about think about this in sort of two ways. One is on your is on your website. So we talked a little bit like don't get your content, get like let people do their digital research on your site, give them as much as you possibly can. Um, think about it this way, and then that'll get to my to my next point, is that the more you share with them, the more content that's either on your site or that is um, available through like lead nurturing or digital marketing, whether it's you know sequenced videos or content on your site, that alleviates pressure from your sales team. And it's much less expensive to automate those things and to run them digitally than to be like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to hire like thousands of people to do outbound sales calls and tell you what this product does. People don't want to work that way. Like they want to research. The other thing when it comes to customer engagement, obviously, uh, especially in the age of COVID, is this idea of virtual events, which everybody has essentially pivoted to virtual events and 78% of B2B marketers said that virtual events were as effective or more effective than in-person events. And it allows them to engage a higher number of people. I think that even when we all go back to work, I think what we're going to see is more hybrid events because that really allows for a lot more scale of virtual events. And then I think the big thing, and I talk about this all the time, is I call it marketing as sales. So it's just this culture of using marketing to to help you to drive sales it's turning marketing into a profit center like i run a sales team too and it is really hard to ensure consistency across your sales per, across your sales team now imagine you have like thousands of salespeople all over the world and there are different levels of those salespeople which of those like which of those how can you up level those salespeople and which of those functions could you potentially like could you possibly digitize like is there a chatbot that could potentially take care of like incoming calls from customers how could you use things like lead nurturing how can you use something like a predictive lifetime value model to help you under have your marketing help your salespeople understand the potential value of that customer and then you would start routing and a lot of people are doing this now with abm but they're not necessarily doing it with smb marketing to go well you know there's not all salespeople are, are created alike if you have a really strong predictive lifetime value model and you really understand your customers and the value, the way you treat them might be a little bit different. I mean, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And the, one of the big lessons I've learned from last year is don't assume because your content 
has to not assume that the person is an expert buyer because so many times you go onto these websites and you have all these amazing pieces of information, but there's no journey to for somebody to say, I'm a starter, I'm a beginner, so I should yeah. just go here, or I'm an intermediate person, so I'll go here, or I'm an expert. Like, they, 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 it has to have that video game-ish type of feeling, which, again, mm-hmm. I think the B2C guys have figured it out, right? Totally. Great. And so, I guess, in terms of, like, the sales and marketing alignment, and I know this has been been talked about for ages, right? But I feel like like this, the word alignment and the word, like, like cooperation or the word merging, like like I, there's so many different words that you could use, right? But but how do leaders enable their sales teams to think more like marketers or marketers to think more like sales teams, right? I feel like it's just a philosophical shift first yeah. before it's a tactical tactical shift, right? So then the the CMOs of the next generation, as they start to further align or even go for CRO roles, right? They have to actually have this skill set. Yeah. So I think we have seen marketing have a much bigger seat at the table than we ever have before because everything is so digitally driven. Um, I I think that the, what's held them back historically has been that marketing hasn't necessarily been a profit center. It has been a function that in many SaaS companies or large enterprise companies is a um, it's really just a feeder into sales. And when I say marketing is sales, I'm saying like, I actually think that marketing and sales should have the same seat at the table, right? It is not marketing like, oh, we need more leads and marketing run out and getting more leads. I think that there is a more careful balance between what marketing is delivered, the quality of the leads that marketing is deliver, delivering, understanding the revenue that those that those leads are, are generating, being able to track the sales and marketing throughput all the way through. So you understand like, where is the ball getting dropped? How much of that is really marketing? How much of that is really sales? So as much as we can turn marketing into a profit center, and it is very, very possible to do, you start to get a lot closer to aligning your KPIs. So it's less of sales telling marketing what to do. It's much more of a dialogue um, and breaking down of those silos so you, they can work together to understand best how to nurture leads. And so I guess if we just unpack that just a little bit more, right? Because so there's the metrics piece of it. There's the the enablement piece of it, right? But the the more important thing is is how does a CMO help their team to understand how to think like this other team and inspire the other team to think like your team because I feel like like CROs don't necessarily know how to do that, right? Like CROs are having their own struggle where they're saying, well, crap, I just got into a role where I now have to talk to a CFO. I have zero operational background, so now I'm being pulled in this direction, right? And then pricing and packaging just got thrown my way because I'm supposed to be the CRO, right? And then on the other side, you have a CMO who said, wait a sec, I'm responsible for go-to-market. Like, you just told me that pricing packaging was mine. Like, like there's all of that stuff, right? In that cause of, right, there is this entire team that's underneath them that is that is now saying i'm in an identity crisis so how do i think like the other team right so would love to love to get your guidance on that as you're seeing innovative companies go through this process yeah what you're describing feels a little bit like hot potato to some exactly. extent with like you know like metric hot potato so <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I think two things. The first of which is everybody is when you have teams that are comped or measured or OKR'd on like on on very surface level metrics, they're important. KPIs are incredibly important because it tells you that you're going in the right direction. But I think that there's a lot of power in visibility to the actual business objective, right? So it is most likely something like revenue. And it is, okay, we need this many subscriptions at this level, at this tier with this revenue. You know, you can start to extrapolate that out in, in many different dimensions. But I think it is aligning these teams around what is the business objective that we all need to be solving together. It is more communication across all of these teams. And this is incredibly difficult to do in large enterprise players. I've, I've, I've experienced this. Um, you know, working with some of these big enterprise guys, it is not easy. Um, but but it starts with like when I talk to a marketing team and they're like, well, we're looking at how many you know site visits. We just need to get more site visits. And I'm like, are you going to get promoted because of site visits? Exactly. Like, <laughs> I'm so no. glad you said that because it's so, it's so true. <laughs> no, and but that but then what that does is it goes. There's actually an infrastructure, you know, issue there where we go, we have to get access into the CRM and you have to start this, how you turn marketing into a profit center is we actually need that CRM data piped into your marketing campaigns so that you get over the initial hump of marketing being a profit center. Marketing has to prove that they are driving revenue. If you want to even have that conversation with product and with sales, so that you are all aligned on what are the products that we're all collectively trying to, to, to drive together? Why are those, like, what are the margins on those products? Why is it really important? What do those buyers look like? Like that, that, that conversation between product and sales and marketing is, is really tricky and it's really important. And it depends on the organization. There are organizations where that all falls within like a CRO function and then there's places where it's completely siloed and you're like, good luck. You guys just have to talk a lot. <laughs> yeah. I want to unpack some of what you just said, right? Because I'm at least this year, I'm super passionate about helping execs understand how do they unlock themselves to become a super exec. Right? Okay. And, 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 and what you just said right there is because so many execs, even that are VPs or maybe they're first time, second time VPs, right? Uh, I'm I'm a co-founder of, of a community where we deal with a lot of a lot of uh, uh, first or second time execs and like help them understand like what is actually happening, right? But it's not metric based at all. And if you're just talking about site visits and etc. companies, like that may not that may not actually help you get promoted, right? But you're dealing with like larger companies, right? And then in those companies, there's 50 VPs you're competing with. And if you actually want a shot at this like next thing, you actually have to do something different. So can you help us? Because our listeners are, there's a lot of like aspiring super execs in our audience space, right? It'd be great to get some tidbits for like, how does one actually not do what you just said? And what should they do to become a super? I think... Um... To me, everything boils down to whether or not you are aligned on the right problem to solve. I think that if you solve, if you if you know what the right problem is to solve, and we, we talk a lot about, or at least I talk with my team a lot about this idea of like getting up on the balcony, like take a step back from your from your job and like what is the problem behind the problem that you need to solve? Like that that lives, you know, in tech world, I would say six months to a year in the future, which in the rest of the world is like five years. 
How, what is that problem? And if you know what that problem is, then you have the opportunity to be a lot more innovative and creative and strategic in how you go to market and how you think about it because you've identified the right problem to solve. It's less about how you do it. It's mostly about like knowing what you need to get done. And then, then because you've identified that, you can start to pull in the right people. You know the right metrics you need to be measuring. Like everything starts to fall into place. I'm going to make a comment that I definitely believe you are what I call the real deal, because most people that I ask this question to all say, well, you know, it's empathy and it's this and it's that. All those are there, too. But if you don't know what you're solving, you can't rally people around it. How are you going to figure out how to move the business forward? And and it's absolutely right. It's something that our CEOs talks about all the time as well. It's like, guys, let's just make sure you're getting you're going to get hit in 50 different directions. Let's just make sure you're actually solving the right problem. And more content on how to solve the right problem or even how to identify and go deep into that probably is needed in the marketplace. And probably, like, maybe hopefully this podcast inspires a couple of people to write a couple of blogs on this topic. It would be great to like get tactical uh, tidbits of like how do you solve that, and then yeah. maybe the second one is how do you actually develop that growth mindset? Because most people, once they get to that point, they start to like just put playbook after playbook after playbook after playbook, and it's annoying. You know? yeah. <laughs> I love a good framework, and I love a good playbook too. But but <laughs> those aren't going to solve all your problems, unfortunately. Totally. So, okay, so you've spoken to us a little bit about showing up early, which I think is absolutely important. You've spoken, spoken to us a little bit about reimagining customer engagement, right? You've spoken about the culture of, of, of marketing and sales, uh, of marketing as sales, right, actually. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then I guess, what else? Like, 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 what are you personally looking forward to this year? Um, I would like to get out of my house. <laughs> Like for starters. <laughs> well, it doesn't sound like COVID is stopping you, right? Because you're out <laughs> enjoying like all this like hot chicken and stuff like that. So, like, this is not a barrier, you know? <laughs> no, I, I actually, my kids both play travel hockey. So I've actually been out and about, but I'm, but I'm like watching hockey games, like on live barn in my car, but I, I'd like to get back into a rink. <laughs> that would That's be great. nice. Yeah, I, I really am looking forward to like to seeing all of my uh, my my customers in, in person that I talk to all the time. I have tons of people on my team that I've never actually met in person because they started yes. when COVID started. So I'm like, this is crazy. We've never met in person. Right. Right. Um, That's got to be the saddest thing about COVID. <laughs> You're like, all these people start, you never met them in person. Yeah, it's it's like it's a little bananas. Um, but but from a B2B perspective, like I am this pandemic has been awful. And but one of the shining lights has been that it has been a forcing function. I don't know if I'd say a shining light. That's maybe a little aggressive, but it has been a forcing function for B2B marketers to make a very quick pivot to digital um, and just really start to reimagining, reimagine the way they do uh, B2B marketing. And what would have taken, B2B marketers tend to work a little bit slower, um, I think, than, than B2C marketers. So I think that there have been some tremendous lessons and they've happened in a really fast time. And this has been a good catalyst for B2B marketers. And I think that, that, that as a cohort, B2B marketing is going to be in a very, very different place by the time we come out of this than, than when we came in. Like we will see like 15 years of innovation happening in a very short period of time, which, which is great. I just hope that the 
rev tech stack, let's call that as the right, does not become twenty thousand companies because it's going to be very painful to figure out exactly which twenty, which seventeen oh, companies, yeah. you, tools you actually need to get stuff it's done. <laughs> well, I also think that there will continue to be more consolidation in the market. Right, we're seeing a little bit of, yes. of, it, of it happening now, but at the same, but then that also breeds more innovation, and you're going to see you know more point players coming into the market. Um, which is going to make it really difficult for buyers to make decisions on what the right, you know, what the right infrastructure and tools are. Yeah, totally. I mean, if my Google app tells me that this is the next RevTech stack, I need a tool that I need to buy next. I'm going to be like, great, just this has been the best thing ever. <laughs> it only tells me that like my like my daughter is about to finish school, so I got to go and uh, uh, and pick her up. So like, well, what about that piece of it? Why know? not? <laughs> Well, well, great. So I guess let's move into the slightly funner part of the podcast, right? And and we always uh, like to ask people uh, who would be two or three other people that they respect and enjoy in the marketplace that they could, that we should invite uh, onto the show as a guest. And we do this because when we started this podcast, you know, it was just an idea. And we didn't have a, this like grand slam plan of like, how, where do we take this, et cetera. So what are the topics and themes and said, we just said, how awesome would it be to get to know people and to know their friends? And then if we can give everybody a chance to talk about the things that they really care about, it would be great. And so now I think yeah. there's 116 episodes that we've recorded and people have shared the limelight with them. So I guess who would the uh, who would be two or three other people that you would, yeah. uh, you would want to invite to the show? Sure. I'll give you a couple um, for, for, for different reasons. So uh, the first one, I think we talked a lot about marketing is sales. And if you look at a company, and I know you've had some folks from ServiceNow on, um, Wendy Berg, who's the, the VP of digital, is, um, is thinking a lot about marketing and sales. As you think about someone like a ServiceNow that needs to go from $3 billion to $10 billion in like three years, um, the idea, I mean, how would you do that internationally? Like how many people would you need to hire? So she's thinking really thoughtfully about how to make digital work harder for her. Um, another one would be just a great marketer overall, um, would be Seth Berman, who's a senior director of performance marketing at Adobe. We work a lot with Adobe and they are, um, very good, very sophisticated marketers. Um, God, oh, she's a, I would say, um, I have to get Johan's last name at SAP, who has a lot of, he's super creative and thoughtful um, and has great ugly sweaters at Christmas time. So I will, I'll send you his last, his last name. Right. We'll be like, yeah, Michelle remembered the great ugly sweaters that you had. You know, you I know you, talk about marketing? it was really an epic sweater. It was epic. Like you, it was like a drinking game in a sweater. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Okay. And then, you know, this one actually tests everybody's creative skills. And since we have more sales and marketing people on this show, it's always fun to ask this question, uh, specifically because you have no idea how things will go viral these days, right? And so if we were to condense this podcast into a hashtag, what would your hashtag be? Um, it would be hashtag marketing as sales. Right. Well, yeah. we're going to try that out. Let's and see, we'll if that, use... let's see if that breaks the internet. <laughs> Well, you have no idea, right? So, like, somebody may get offended by it and be like, wait a sec, like, we're going to start this conversation. And then it's like 50, 50 threads down. You're still discussing about the thing versus what it was supposed to mean, right? Yeah. But let's kick it off. Let's see um, what happens. And then our audience, like, I would say our emerging audience is global. 
And so you're going to find some people from Japan. Yeah. Uh, we were on the phone with the folks at UiPath and Automation Anywhere in India. You know, there's amazing marketers that are just coming out of all over uh, uh, the entire world. And so if people wanted to connect with you, and I understand that you work with very large companies, but but some of these folks are like, I, I almost want to say like most of these folks come from SAP because I see that as a trend. Like literally, like, like, like the entire- I've been at IBM, Salesforce, SAP yes. or system. <laughs> yes, so they're all at that level anyway. So would it be okay for people to connect with you? And if yes, how would how should they reach out to you? Oh, for sure. Um, LinkedIn is probably is probably the best. Okay. And they can send me a message through LinkedIn or, or post something or, you know, whatever that, that totally Perfect. works. Well, if if this podcast gets you like 500 people that are one trying to push their services to you, but maybe <laughs> like actually want to connect with you, we will probably keep that as a metric, you know, see, yeah, yeah. see if I you've broken it. Analytics on my, uh, on my LinkedIn. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, this has been great, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for kicking the year off. And and the, the, the points that you made absolutely are super relevant to like how people should think about this year. And uh, and I'll just plug this last piece about, about developing a growth mindset because there's a bunch of stuff that, that has been talked about in a, uh, that people should push themselves to develop a growth mindset, et cetera. But nobody actually like like has has actually said, okay, here's the five things that you can potentially start mm-hmm. off with, right? And so so as we've talked about the culture of sales and marketing coming together, like the, those type of tools, I think, will help bring people together. And hopefully we don't have to talk about this stuff at the end of this year. We can talk about other stuff. For sure. Let's have well, that great. conversation too. Let's make it a date. Totally. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Mean, one where we started the year off with you and then we'll let's do a, a year end and yeah. what has what just happened okay i'm gonna oh, i'm gonna tell her okay i love that. that that would be a super fun one and uh to see like what 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 came out of the stuff uh, the content that we put out there sure i'd love Great. that well thank you so much and uh and uh, best of luck with your journey thank you so much i really appreciate it this is great Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.